it's week eight. Welcome back to Burn Down the Big Ten with your host, George Eisner, and of course, my faithful co-host, Mr. Ben Gorin. Ben, how are you doing Hello. this week? Oh, it's a good week to be a sports fan, isn't it? NBA series is this week. College football is going on. College basketball is back in the news. It's all on. Everything is on. How are you? I'm all right. We're we're recording this as the NBA season tips off, so we're we're missing most of it. But I'm I'm not too jet. I'm I'm about as down on basketball as Ooh. I've been in a while, to be honest. The guard so, packs at least got you professional down. Professional basketball, just because. Oh yeah, well they've they've had me down for years, <laughs> but I I think my chip. I've made the hard pivot from writing about professional basketball to writing about college football, so I'm very much more invested in what's going on in this beautiful football call. conference of ours rather than what's going on in the National Basketball Association. And yeah, I mean, there's plenty of drama, and I begrudgingly am on Twitter a little bit more than I should, so <laughs> I know I'm going to see enough NBA Twitter stuff for. Uh, tonight and pretty much every day until uh, yeah. the end of June. So not uh, not necessarily chomping <laughs> at the bit for professional basketball, but it's it's cool to see Ohio State is uh, high in the Ken Palm rankings and 18th in the AP poll, I believe. So you know, yeah, a little, little optimistic. Michigan for some State number hoop. one in the AP poll, so it's a good week. Yeah, to and be then they announced one of their best players is going to be out until January, the day after that drops. So that Izzo. was a bummer. Manufacturing that team adversity, you know. I just hope he doesn't scream in his face for getting hurt. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to football. It yes. was an interesting weekend, was it? Uh, to say the least. It, it, yeah, a little bit. Uh, we started out Friday night with that coveted Ohio State mm. Northwestern matchup, and that that one got away from the Wildcats a little bit uh, more than we thought. I was uh I wasn't totally pleased with Ohio State's performance. Um the the one play that really stood out to me was that third and fifteen yep. that Justin Fields converted to KJ yep. Hill, I think at the end of the first quarter. And Pat Fitzgerald drew up quarters defense, which is exactly what you should do in a situation like that where you know they gotta throw for the sticks. Uh, uh Northwestern rushes three. And uh, two guys get a shot at Justin Fields uh, against uh, five offensive linemen. And uh, it kind of confirmed what I thought in terms of pass protection. This team still has a long way to go. But running the ball, I mean, they might be the best run blocking team in the country. So I'm, yeah, there's good I mean, I and think, there's bad. I think the Northwestern run defense acquitted itself awfully well. I mean, you take away the two 70-yard runs and that stat line looks a lot different. But right. I thought Ohio State's defense looked pretty soft up the middle for a lot of the game, which is a little bit concerning. The Northwestern That's hadn't really established of... the run quite as much as they did in this game for a while. But again, one fifty-two to three. I mean, Ohio State looked great. So it was Northwestern that was the story yeah. of that game and well, how awful, awful, awful they are. Well, to your point about being soft against the run, I mean. You know, we we both saw the clip of Tough Borland overrunning his gap and falling over himself into the yes. turf. I mean, it was uh, it, it was not a good night for Mister Borland, and they definitely the missed Baron Browning. Tough Borland. Is he? Uh, he is now. T- tough. If you're listening, I don't like you. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll just be honest. Uh, I, you know, just uh, you know, get get your diploma and get out of here, please. Um, but. There were other games as well uh, that happened the following day. Iowa cut it a little close with Purdue, 26-20. I I can't say I looked too much into that one. I didn't really expect that one to be much of a barn burner, really that close. 
Um, but you know, they won by only six. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a little bit concerning if you're uh if you're a Hawkeye fan still clinging to the the desperate ideal that you're gonna be able to win the Big Ten West. Although de- yeah, the number one easier. contender definitely didn't do themselves any favors this weekend. And we'll get to them in a minute. But Indiana top Maryland thirty-four twenty-eight. Uh okay. Uh, Minnesota continues to be undefeated and took down Rutgers 42-7. to And uh, Minnesota suddenly looking like the team to beat in the Big Ten West after uh, Wisconsin fumbled that game away. 24. Oh, I'm not getting carried away, <laughs> but again, this is the Big Ten West we're talking about here. So, you know, the standards have, are dipped a little bit. And then, of course, we had the uh, the primetime game, Penn State-Michigan, and uh, Penn State Good won game. by a touchdown. Michigan had a critical drop in the end zone at the end. It was a decent game. I, I It was more palatable yeah, than I, I expected mean, it to be. It was, it was Yeah, it wasn't like one of those Big 12 shootouts, but that was. I thought that was a really, really exciting game, and for the most part, a really well-played game. It was good. That was a good showing for the Big Ten, I thought. Yeah. Well, well, we'll talk more about it in a bit. Uh, K.J. Handler definitely had himself a day, but we would be remiss if we did not begin with Bucky yeah, real bad. pooping the bed. Uh, they went into Champaign on Saturday, noon date with Illinois, and uh, for they started out the game fairly strong. Uh, Jonathan Taylor takes a carry for about 13, 15 yards on the first play of the game, goes over 5,000 yards for his career, uh, Wisconsin marches down the field and uh, throws a nice little tight end uh, seam pass for their first score of the game. Uh, they go up fairly early. It doesn't. They don't necessarily run away from Illinois, but they. It doesn't look yeah. like Illinois is going to make things interesting for a little bit. And then the wheels came off, and they just could not run yeah. the ball against an Illinois defense that. Uh, frankly, has not really left their mark on any team this year and struggled to contain a, an Eastern Michigan, I believe it yes. was, offense that, was, uh, that's that they lost to. And uh, yeah, but Lovey, hey, defensive genius Lovey Smith. Yeah, uh, for I'm sure. sure. The Bears wish they had someone like him right about now. No. Uh, came through in the clutch. And uh, yeah, his, his defense delivered the big play of the game that was able to give them the pick that let them uh, get into middle of the field and they i mean they i if they were going to win this game you you would have expected them to pretty much just doing it throwing through the air but that final march they had down the field i mean they were just taking it to wisconsin's defense on the ground and they for that to be statistically the best defense in the country they really did not look like it at all yeah really just overall just didn't I mean, it's an unacceptable performance from Wisconsin. Like, there's no other really good way to say it. I mean, Illinois has a decent running game. It's like an above-average college rushing attack. But it's a team that can't throw. I mean, you could put 12 guys in the box against Illinois, and they wouldn't do anything, ever. I mean, even in this game, Brandon Peters beat a top-10 team by going 9 of 21. I mean, that's insane. And, you know, for a Wisconsin team that... Yeah. Ultimately, the way they win games in football is pretty similar to how they do in basketball, which is kind of shrink the game and trust on your execution to get it done. You know, that's a small margin, and most of the time you're going to get away with it just fine. 
but every once in a while, some weird things are going to happen. And the fact that your margins are so slim based on the way that you play is going to catch you out. And like Wisconsin outweighed Illinois in this game, really. Like when you start thinking about it, I mean, they outgained them by about 100 yards, like 115 yards in this game. But they had some bad turnovers and they, you know, didn't get the plays that you need to make to win, right? And because of that, they lost to a really terrible Illinois team and completely killed whatever hope of a college football playoff berth that they had. And I thought, I think it was a real chance. Um, if they could have just split the season series with Ohio State, they were probably going to get into the college football playoff. And that's dead. That's completely DOA now. And there's no one to blame but themselves for that. Just a really ter- terrible day at the office. Yeah, not not good at all. Um, it, it, it does say something. I mean, Cohn made obviously the biggest mistake of the game uh, with that pick towards the end. Mm-hmm. Still wound up, if you take away that attempt, which a lot of people thought should have just been a handoff or some sort of running attempt to Jonathan Taylor. And, I mean, the guy was... 28 for 132 and a touchdown on the day. So it's it's fair to wonder why they didn't do that. But Cone, you take away that interception attempt, uh, 24 for 31, 264 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good for Jack Cone. a bad day at the office by any means. But that one pick, right. But that pick just completely turns it on. It just completely turns around the game for Wisconsin and you know puts them in a position to lose. And he still, even with that pick, had almost double the quarterback rating that Brandon Peters did. I mean, Peters really, even though he threw two touchdown passes, wasn't wasn't his best game by any means. Didn't really do much rushing the ball. Yep. I mean, the I think Reggie Corbin is the name of the Illinois running back. That was really the guy that I think set the difference for them. And they had two different running backs that went over 70 yards, which, I mean, against a Wisconsin run defense that – what what. They, I forget that USF had some kind of negative total against them in their first yep, game. That's for right. Team it was like yards. It, it was, yeah, it was bad. But I mean, I I was very very underwhelmed by how their defense played late in the game. And this was one of the only road games that Wisconsin has played this year. Um, they just they looked shook. I mean, they didn't finish the game well. They started fairly strong, and I think it's more than fair to assume that they were definitely looking ahead to Ohio State next week, and they got caught. And uh, now, you know, to your point, I don't know if they're really playing for anything other than to spoil Ohio State in a Big Ten title game. And, you know, they they very well could end up doing that because we're going to preview the game a bit later, but I I really – I was very afraid of them prior to this game, and now I'm not afraid of them at all. But assuming Ohio State would win this weekend, I'd be very – it's so hard to beat the same team in college football twice, and I'd be very afraid of Wisconsin still for uh, a Big Ten championship rematch. I I do think like this is the perfect – this is how you beat a good team when you're a bad team. That's what Illinois was able to do. So, you know, you look about the stats where, you know, you kind of play – you succeed beyond the stat line, right? So basically every time Wisconsin made a a mistake, Illinois made him pay with a touchdown. So, you know, you go back and you look at the kind of play-by-play here. When Wisconsin fumbles it, Illinois marches 60 yards and scores a touchdown. A little bit later, Wisconsin misses a field goal. Illinois turns it into a touchdown. Wisconsin fumbles, they turn it into a touchdown. Wisconsin throws a pick and they turn it into a game-winning field goal. So they took advantage of every single break that Wisconsin gave to them, and that's why Illinois was able to win. 
Well, I mean, I think that Illinois really showed you the blueprint here for beating Wisconsin because, I mean, even though Cone, you know, did a lot of really good things in this game, the, the big story was towards in the second half, they were really able to put the clamps down on Jonathan Taylor. And you saw a lot of times where they were able to meet him at the line of scrimmage or even in the backfield. And that's what ended up, I think, stalling out the Wisconsin offense pretty often. And I mean, again, Ohio State was missing um, a very important player, I think, for stopping their run game in Baron Browning. He's He's been playing a lot more over Borland this year than I think anyone expected. And I think that that is going to make a significant difference with him coming back from injury and feeling fresh and ready to go. And I, you know, I don't think that Wisconsin has really played as talented a secondary yet this year as Ohio State has. You might be able to make the case for the Michigan State game, but that game I think was pretty firmly won by Jonathan Taylor on the ground, and that's been their identity for a lot of the, a lot of these yeah. games. So if Ohio State's able to come out and get an early lead and put them in a position where they're not going to be able to lean on Jonathan Taylor and they have to play outside of their comfort zone, which they didn't necessarily have to do in this game and haven't had to do all season. I think that it's going to leave them a little bit shell shocked because if they have to lean on cone rather than lean on the guy, that's probably going to be in New York at the end of the season, it's going to be a rough day at the office for them. And we'll, and we'll talk more about that game later, but I, I, I I was very afraid coming in before last week, and I, I mean I'm frankly not at all terrified anymore after what I saw because I mean again Illinois' defense was so bad, and for them to be the ones to figure out this this riddle of stopping the Wisconsin rushing attack, which they lean on for their identity, I mean it's just it, it's almost unthinkable. It's crazy that this was the game that Wisconsin dropped. Yeah. It's just absolutely baffling to me. That's that's the headline, is that this is not the game that a good team loses. It's just, it's just not the game. You can't lose to this team. And it exposes why this style of play isn't the style of play that actually great teams use. Like that's that's the number one storyline for this game. I still think that the things that Wisconsin does well, they will do well probably ten more times this year. Or not, they're not playing seventeen games, but they'll they'll do the things that they do well most of the time. But you know, when they have a bad game, it's a really bad game, and you end up coughing it up to Illinois because you make you know two and a half, three mistakes. And you just don't have enough firepower and you don't give yourself enough chances to make up for it. So I think I think that's that's the good storyline for this game. I think like you nailed it on that one. That like of all the games that Wisconsin is going to lose, this one is kind of inexplicable. I mean, Illinois sucks. You have to really give a bottom of the barrel performance. I mean, to they lose said this by game. the the spread or the line or something. I think this was the biggest upset in the Big Ten in something like forty years or, so, or yeah. something, and certainly the biggest in college football. It's been a this long year. time, yeah. But yeah, that's... yeah. I mean, it's it's the biggest this season. I, I feel like it was like thirty. Yeah, like you said. I mean, it's been literally decades since there was an upset like this. Um. God, what a, Last what a team to do it was Northwestern against That's Minnesota right. in the 80s, I believe. Yeah. 
hang your head on that one. Yeah, yeah we did on it. That one. Go cats. <laughs> we t- did it like 30, 40 years Still ago. Still counts. Um yeah, it, it does. It's a win in 1982. Um for Lovey Smith, yes. we you, la- I I don't know if it was last week or the week prior, but you you seemed pretty confident that Lovey was going to get axed. Do you think this game just saved his job regardless of how they finish Ooh, out the season? It might have. I mean, this is like it's not a program-changing win for Illinois because Illinois still sucks as a program and will continue to suck as a program for a long time. But this is the moment in Illinois football since Juice to Ohio State. Like, this is the last... That yep. was the last time where they mattered. And for at least one weekend, they mattered this season. That's very cool. I mean, it's it's still the right thing to do to fire Lovey Smith. Like, unless he absolutely catches fire and they go gangbusters towards the end of this year, it would still be the right thing to do. But, you know, their bowl chances are back off of life support now. And that's that's a huge step for Illinois. And I remember when we were doing, like, our season preview show, I said that you know, maybe after week one, like, if Illinois can get to six, that's a big step. It's the only goal that they have this season. And after they lost to Eastern Michigan Nebraska, I thought that was over. But now all of a sudden you beat a very banged-up Purdue team – Rutgers and the Northwestern team sucks and you're at six wins and two of those games are at home. And then Lovey Smith does come back. I mean, they won't fire him if he gets to six and they beat a top 10 team. I would love to know when the last time was that Illinois fans ran on the field. I I can't because the Juice Williams game was in Ohio State. So I don't I, I I mean this has to be the Had most the enthusiasm that has been around Illinois football in any singular moment in maybe this millennium, uh, to be honest. Um I mean obviously they, they had a I think a good solid year after that and they went I believe they went to the Rose Bowl and got they absolutely yeah, trounced by USC. Time. But um, but yeah, I mean, other than that stretch, I mean, this is definitely the most that Illinois football has been talked about in quite some time, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they've had a more signature home win. I don't know when the last time was that they've even had enough fans in their home stadium to run on the field after <laughs> a game. So, you know, you look at that student section from some recent years, I mean, yeah, it's, they, it's, you know, they'll, it's they'll try to turn the, the cards around to form the eye and they can yeah. only get like half of the eye <laughs> form because the eye. fans are... Yeah, the fans would rather stay in the dorms or something than, you know, make the trek over to the stadium. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't even think they got a lowercase I done. I mean, it was that yeah. bad. There was that much non-commitment and non-buy-in into the program. But if this ends up being the turning point for them, I mean, you know, good for them. It We, we, we love to see any team that isn't Rutgers do well. Uh, so, That's mostly you true. Know, uh, well, I don't want to see, Mi- I don't want to see Michigan <laughs> do well, but. You know, beggars can't be choosers. Um, but you know, Harbaugh's doing a, a. I think Harbaugh's doing a fine, fine yeah, yeah. job Keep over him for another millennium. Um, but well, we'll get to them in a minute. Um, one other thing I want to touch on real quick is: Do you think that because this was, was a Big Ten West game and Wisconsin has a loss, a Big Ten West loss now? Do you think that? You know, I know we were poo poo in Iowa last week, and I'm, I still don't think there's a lot of reason for enthusiasm there, but. Minnesota, as of this they recording, are. is still undefeated. Do you think that this game throws a wrench into the Big Ten West race at all? No. No? No. I mean, it it, it hurt <laughs> Wisconsin's cushion that they gave themselves. 
but no, I mean, Minnesota has to play Penn State on the road against Iowa and then against Wisconsin. Like, they're not, they're not winning all of those. And they're probably not winning two of those. And they're almost certainly not winning one of those. I mean, they're probably going to go 0-3 there. The, the Big Ten West title game is going to effectively be Minnesota versus Wisconsin. And, you know, that's, that's what it is now. It, it, that's the only real difference. You know, Wisconsin, if they win this game, they probably could have lost to Minnesota the last week of the year and still won the Big Ten West. Um, but no, Wisconsin's still the very the best team in the West, the best team in the West by a lot. Um, Minnesota is still smoking mirrors. They're going to call for an up relatively soon. Well, I'm going to be an enormous Golden Gopher fan for the rest of the season Hell because yeah. I do Someone's not do want to play. I do not want to pl- have. I do not want to have to see Ohio State play the same team twice because that's never a good thing in college football. No. But I, I would say I agree with you. I don't think that this will have much of a bearing on Wisconsin uh, being able to reach the Big Ten uh, title game. We'll see. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's going to be really interesting come November when the three teams that pretty much have to duke it out are all going to end up playing each other. I mean, it's it's crazy how much how backloaded the entire Big Ten schedule yeah. is this year. I, I'm I'm wondering why they didn't really mm-hmm. sprinkle it out as much. And yeah, it's going to be some interesting yeah. cold weather football games in a couple more weeks here. But we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, Bucky, <laughs> you uh, you fucked up this week. That's we've we've beaten you into the ground enough over it. Let's move on. Uh, we broke down Michigan Penn State last week. Uh, we were talking about how Michigan's season was on the line and how Sean Clifford needed to step up. Uh, yeah, he's Clifford fine. got Cliff. I thought he was pretty good. Um, yeah, he, he he made some nice throws. That that first touchdown to Handler was was bonkers. I mean, I I thought that that he he put the that has to be the <laughs> highest arc any non hail mary pass has had this season. I mean, that thing. That thing almost went over the top of the upper deck of uh, Happy Valley. I, I was crazy, um, but I don't know. I I didn't think this was much of a convincing win for Penn State. I honestly thought they would yeah. win by more than one score. Although I'm a little underwhelmed by Michigan this year, so that that might factor into it as well. But what about you, Ben? Did you did this win do it for you in terms of thinking Penn State's going to be able to hang with Ohio State and really make a run for the college football playoff? No, absolutely not. I mean, no. Michigan probably should have won this game. I mean, by when you look at the stats, they had almost like double the first downs and like 150 more yards of total offense, and they found a way not to win. Penn State was kind of lucky to get out of this with a W. I think, you know, as with every game, there are lots of positives you can take from it. And KJ Hamler is so damn good, and he had a great game again. But... Man, I mean, I, to me, the story of this game is that Michigan really lost an opportunity. Like, this was a chance. They played well. They gave themselves a chance to win on the road in Happy Valley, and they just couldn't quite get it done. You know, a couple of missed opportunities here, a drop in the end zone, you know, a turnover on downs in the first half, a missed field goal, and they lose. And that's, you know, when you're on the knife edge as a program, you know, you can't afford that anymore. Yeah, this was year two under Harbaugh, and they had this kind of performance and almost got it done. You know, it's a pot. The, the takeaway is positive, right? Because the arrow is clearly pointing up. And you know, play that game again, and they probably win. But you know, the time for that is over. Michigan needs to be a program that 
that wins this game. And Penn State, you know, congratulations, you held on. Probably wasn't your best performance of the year. You know you're going to have to bring it up another level when you play Ohio State. But they have two hands on second-best team in the Big Ten East at this point. That's fair to say. Congratulations on that. But, man, to me, the story of this game is Michigan. I will I don't say know. Our, our consistent criticism of Penn State this year has been they start their a lot of their games slow. And this game, which was arguably their biggest game to date, was the inverse of that. They started fast. They went up 21 nothing, yep. 14 nothing by the end of the first quarter, and they looked like they were very much in control. And that's exactly what you wanted to see. And you figured that, okay, they finally they start a game fast. They're going to be able to finish this out. And, I mean, for a while, it looked like this was going to be a really commanding victory for Penn State. And then for for whatever reason, I mean, the, the gas just completely went out of the tank. I mean, you take away that second moonshot touchdown to uh, Hamler in the second half, and I mean, they really were not able to get anything going at all. Yep. Looking again, I I did not realize their rushing totals were so bad. They didn't have a single rusher that went over 50 yards. And if you take yeah. away uh, their guy Slade, who only got three carries, they didn't have a single player that went over 20 yards rushing in this game. And yeah. that's... That's really, really con- – I mean, Michigan's got a really good defense. But it's but not that good. If, no, and if you like, want to no, be a exactly. team that's going to be able to overcome Ohio State and you want to be taken seriously as a college football playoff team, you you got to be able to run the ball yeah. more effectively than that And the weirdest that part about that, too, is you know, last week Noah Kane rushed for, like, what, a buck 25 against Iowa? He had four carries yeah, he had a great game. five carries in this game? Like – that's what it's that if this game does go the other way, and this was truly a coin flip kind of game, if that goes the other way, people are losing their mind to James Franklin. But fortunately, he got the win, so no one's going to pay attention to it. I mean, that's a good break. I don't know why you're not giving your ball to the best running back you have. It's very, I mean, that, there is no explanation for that. No, not at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Michigan's season is pretty much effectively over at this point. Um kind of a devastating way for it to go down because it really looked like they were going to make this an overtime kind of game in the second half. And, you know, give them credit. I, I think they figured out Penn State. It was just a little too little too late. Uh, Ronnie Bell, that, man, he's going to be thinking about that drop for the rest of his life. Yeah, but that's you know tough, what? man. Yeah, well, you know what? I Those those Michigan tears are so delicious. So <laughs> I, I would be lying if I that said hurts. watching that. <laughs> hey, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy watching that guy melt down on t- on the sideline Oof. on TV, and that might be a little bit cruel. Yeah, but hey, look, there's no love, kind of a lot of there's no love lost in this rivalry. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, I, your your ang- your anguish sustains <laughs> me, as Stewie Griffin once you know, quickly said. Quickly before we move off Michigan, I think you know, they do have something to play for. It's really only one guy though, and it's the guy who wears khakis on the sideline because. You know, they're going to be under... Are they underdogs? Did you check if they're underdogs against Notre Dame? Surely they are. Uh, yeah. I would assume they let's, have to be, uh, even though they're playing at yeah, home. Let's pretend I we mean, did our research and found out know. that they're underdogs. And they're going to be underdogs against Ohio State. <laughs> so, you know, that's 8-4 and four if you win out. And there's... I, I really struggle to imagine them bringing Harbaugh back at 8-4. With losses to Notre I, Dame and Ohio State. 
But is Harbaugh a coach you want to play well, so for? Like I mean, like you know, you is that the guy you want to go like run through a wall for? Now yeah, that you I mean, don't really have anything I mean, left no other than Ohio State, who's not in that locker room, right? Like, really, really easy to sit at a podcast mic and kind of give a take on that. But like, ultimately, who knows? And but that's that <sighs> is basically the story of Michigan season because if they get it back on, like, if they beat Notre Dame next week and they go into that Ohio State game with only two losses, like, that's a lot to play for. And then that game actually really does have weight. You know, you can beat Ohio State, you can ruin their season, uh, and, you know, all of a sudden you're 10-2, and that's a relatively successful year. But, you know, is this the team that's going to kind of claw back and make themselves do it? I don't know. I mean, they did it kind of coming back off Wisconsin. I thought there was a chance that they could fold there, but you know they ended up winning it against Iowa a couple weeks later. But that is, I mean, the story of Michigan for the rest of the year is how, how badly do they want to fight for it? Because you're not winning the Big Ten title, and you're definitely not in the college football playoffs. So, like, you know, let's figure it out. Let's figure out what the motivation is. And, you know, we're going to find out relatively soon. It is, it is fascinating it is fascinating that they would get Notre Dame the That's week tough. after their Big Ten hopes go up in flames because you're you're playing an out of conference team that is still very firmly a big rivalry for Michigan, and I mean it really is gut check time. This is you know do you want to do you actually have pride for the rest of your year or are you just going yeah. to throw in the towel? And I think it's going to be a very telling performance. I think back to that army game and the end of it when the players were, you know, doing their own version of the Lambo leap at the big house and celebrating that they had just beaten army because of a missed field goal and remembering Harbaugh running down the field, blowing the whistle feverishly, trying to corral all the, all the players that were celebrating having just beaten army, like, like blowing his whistle at them, like some kind of helpless second grade camp counselor and I, I just, it does not strike me that this is a team that fully respects their head coach. And I, I think that there's a lot, there was a lot of unrest at the end of last year. You saw it in their bowl game against Florida when the, almost the entire team basically just quit once they realized they weren't going to beat Florida. And all right, like, I, I, like that's like, I would walk it back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you, you don't know, like you just, you don't know if, what what's going through the mind of, of the players at this point? Like you can read body language to you know pull the the end result that you kind of want to see, but like ultimately, like the results on the field are going to tell the story, and it's going to tell the story quite literally in, in about four days when they play the game. And it turns out they are actually favored by a point, which is surprising that, to me. That's 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 very shocking. Yeah, bananas. Well. Bell was crying at the end of the game because he dropped the biggest catch of his career, not because Harbaugh is going to get fired. So of course. I don't know, man. <laughs> I look, I, I, I don't think that if they're going to salvage their season, it's because they want to do it for their coach. They're going to have to want to do it for themselves. Yeah, so that's true. it'll be interesting to see if they put up or shut up against Notre Dame this weekend. But you know, to your point about the Ohio State game, I mean, Har- one of the big criticisms of Harbaugh from former Michigan players has been he doesn't treat that game with the respect it deserves. He's been very adamant about preparing for Ohio State as if they're just mm-hmm. another opponent. 
And in a game where the other team is taking the complete opposite approach and they spend the whole week leading up to it, crossing out every letter M on campus, and there's a countdown clock for the Michigan game in the weight room, and you know they take every necessary precaution to make sure that they're prepared for that. I mean, that's it's it's two opposite ends of the spectrum and if you're you know gonna make your brand as the michigan man which is why harbaugh was hired in the first place yeah i mean you have to take a different approach from that and i i don't think the players respond well to that but (laughs) to your point i'm not a michigan insider so we'll we'll see how the rest of the season plays out and i a, a win over notre dame i think could be a very big igniter for them because the for some reason, the the college football media loves to fawn over Notre Dame as are they the best one loss team? Even though Georgia's not very good, yeah, as bad, we've, by the way, uh, come to find <laughs> out. But I, I mean, I it would be, I'm sure it would be very gratifying for them to firmly end Notre Dame's college football playoff yeah. hopes, and that's momentum that you can take into the back half of the season. Then you get to the Ohio State game, and you say, hey. We already ruined the college football playoff hopes for one team. Let's make it another. So I I guess their season hasn't entirely gone up in smoke yet, but it really is at this point. Yeah, what do you want it to be? That's exactly it. Warrior? It may be up in smoke, but you know, from an outside perspective, there are still chances to make this like a real season. And yeah, it's just how do you get up from, from getting knocked out, basically. Well, Notre Dame's not a Big Ten team, but if you want to do a little mini preview for this game real quick, do you do you see Michigan being able to pull off the upset at home under the lights? Huh? I mean, I think it's a coin flip game, yeah. right? I mean, you know, Notre Dame has their set of problems. Michigan has their set of problems. I don't know. I, I have no idea what to make of the game, which doesn't make for great radio. But the other state think that Michigan is a good football team. I'm not sure that those parts of me have yet this year, but I, I really do think like that's a game that can go 50-50. I will say that I haven't seen Michigan play as well as I saw Notre Dame play in the first half against Georgia. So yeah. it feels like Notre Dame has a higher ceiling. But again, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, I believe that that Georgia game was in – I believe it was in Athens. So Notre Dame has at least a little bit of experience already going into a hostile environment. Um, although you, I, I love what you said last week, which is the big house is the quietest group of 107,000 right. people uh, in the country. Sure. And I, you know, I'm sure the night game will have them a little bit more jazzed up than usual, but I, I'm sure that's not going to be as difficult of an environment to play in for them yep. as, uh, as Georgia was. I, Look, I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched much of Notre Dame this year just because I I, I, I hate any time the media gets on their band. Ever since Ohio State went undefeated but was ineligible for the national championship game, and I believe it was 2012, and everybody anointed Notre Dame as this elite defense, and then they just got their shit pushed in by Eddie Lacy in Alabama. Any time the media jumps on the Notre Dame hype train again, I just do whatever I can to tune it out because it, it's – it's hard for me to take any non-conference, any IA independent team seriously, including them, when you play the kind of schedule that they do. To their credit, they you know schedule Michigan and USC and the usual suspects, but you know a lot of those teams have kind of fallen out of favor of the super duper creme de la creme college football that they were once upon a time. Uh, I 
I would still probably give Notre Dame the edge. Uh, I've seen Michigan just too many times this year beat themselves. I mean, I, I still remember how awful that Wisconsin game was. And this was a really crushing loss for them. I mean, to lose in the fashion that they did at Penn State when they, they came back in the second half. Um, if you're a believer that Notre Dame gets fast starts like they did against Georgia, I mean, you saw Penn State, a team that we mentioned, just has not been able to get off the fast starts all year, score the first 21 points in that game last week. If Notre Dame jumps out mm-hmm. to an early you know, multiple score lead. I, I can't see Michigan catching up with them no matter how good Charbonnet plays. Um, you know, I would expect Patterson to make mistakes. Uh, I, I have to give Notre Dame the edge here, but it, it will probably be uh, close. I don't know if I would say as close as a coin flip, but I, I think Notre Dame probably handles this well and keeps themselves in the college football playoff conversation. Well, there you go. Okay. All right. Well, we're in week eight, and uh, week eight ain't so great, uh, to be frank. Uh, there's, you know, other than that Notre Dame-Michigan game that we kind of just briefly went over, uh, a lot of a lot of not great matchups. The the coveted Illini <laughs> that we, you know, were, were so hopeful. proud of earlier in the show are going to play Purdue, and that'll be certainly interesting. I hope it'll be a sneaky shootout game where neither defense is really able to do anything against each other, and we get a one of those rare high-scoring Big Ten affairs. Uh, if you're into absolute powder puff football, Liberty at Rutgers is going to be on Big Ten Network at noon. And that that is going to be, although if you're in the state of Illinois, you're probably not going to see it. But Liberty at Rutgers, I mean, that that is a fascinating game just in terms of, you know, two Liberty's seven and a half teams. point favorites. That that oh my and Rutgers is playing at home. That's right. <laughs> that's that's embarrassing. Put the oh bankroll on Liberty. Well, <laughs> oh my goodness that is that's rough uh i was at northwestern um that's always interesting just because iowa always seems to trip over their own feet and pat fitzgerald obviously hates the Don't hawkeyes so i if northwestern wants to bounce back i think that'll probably be interesting but um it is on espn too cool. the so over under is wanna, 37 and a half you didn't get your fill of northwestern's you didn't get your fill of Northwestern's offense last week. Uh, there you go. It's uh, it'll be on TV. Yeah, that's the headspace I'm trying to get in, George. Is <laughs> like someone who, as an Ohio State fan, watches the Friday night game last week and coming out of it, they're thinking, you know, I'd really like to watch that again. How, how can I get more of this? That would be just wonderful. Like whoever that person is, like go get yourself checked I out. I enjoyed watching problem. Mike McCall call a tight end screen on third and long to Chase Young's side. It that was, was cool. Creative. It was creative play calling. I can't Not believe good it didn't work. play calling, but creative. <laughs> Indiana's at Nebraska. Um, okay, uh, that's you know one team that we we kind of like more than or has outperformed expectations, and one team that's severely underperformed. That's right. uh, if you're into that, but I agree. Oh, and then uh, we got Penn State at Michigan State, which on preseason might have looked very attractive, but we know. We don't expect Antonio to be doing much. Uh, so, yeah, Penn State, K.J. Handler, probably uh, – Hamler, rather, probably going to run away with that one. And that leaves us with the Wisconsin Badgers at the Ohio State Buckeyes. On big noon Saturday. Fox's big noon kickoff. They were adamant about keeping the game at noon. They they want that, that pregame show hype. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm a little perplexed by the decision to be honest, but I guess they, you know, they, they really want to hype up that big noon kickoff. 
big nude kickoff. They do have like so, a, uh, so their studio show is really good. You know, to do like a quick thirty second I plug for it. Fox. Like I'm surprised at how well put together their pregame show is. It doesn't have like the atmosphere I of game it. day, but I'd rather listen to it. This pains me. I'd rather listen to Urban Meyer speak than just about anyone else who ESPN puts out there. So full credit to them. Fox is doing it right. Urban right? Urban is a wonderful analyst. I really hope that he doesn't take the USC job or, you know, becomes the, the Michigan coach Michigan as some Urban people Meyer. are yes. speculating might happen. Let it happen. Oh my goodness. Uh but I do enjoy him. I wish they would bring back Charles Woodson because I, I very much enjoyed that that Michigan Wisconsin game where uh, Woodson was just forced to watch his alma mater get undressed in the booth, and uh, Urban Meyer's just sitting next to him with this yeah. big shit eating grin. Uh, that that was very much enjoyable. But I I, I enjoy their coverage. I I'm surprised at how good Reggie Bush is. Mm-hmm. I, I really have enjoyed him, and uh, yeah, it's cool to see him and Matt Leinart there. Hope they're not doing too that much campaigning cool, for Urban to take US the USC job, but <laughs> it is they they've got built in chemistry, and I think that's a big reason why their show this works. Um, and Urban and Urban's obviously a football genius; he's proven that at this point. Um, but Wisconsin at Ohio State, yes. um, we're getting the best offense in the Big Ten against arguably the best defense in the Big Ten, but. I, I would lean towards saying that the matchup between Wisconsin's offense and Ohio State defense is really going to be the difference maker in this mm. rather than that that coveted 1v1 matchup of Ohio State's offense versus Wisconsin's defense. I'm curious, Ben, uh, if you agree or if uh, you think differently. I mean, I, the only way Wisconsin can win this game is the points, right? Like, there's no way they can hold Ohio State's under 20. And, you know, is it a team that can get into the end zone three times? against Ohio State? I don't know. You're right. That's definitely the story of the game. It's definitely Jonathan Taylor and the Wisconsin front five against the front seven of Ohio State. And if Wisconsin can play that to a draw or even win, then yeah, they've got a shot. And yes, having to start tough Portland and play him like every snap doesn't help. But I seriously wasn't super impressed with Ohio State in the last game. I'm sure they'll get it fixed. But there may be a weakness between the tackle, and there may be a chance that Wisconsin is able to kind of take advantage of it. Um, Lord knows they'll have to if they're going to win this game. And if Wisconsin wins, it's because Jonathan Taylor went for, I don't know, like 175 on 31 carries and like two touchdowns. Like that's the only way that they can win. I, I would agree with that. The uh, I think the key here is going to be, are they going to be able to control time of possession and the script of the game? They're going to have to make it lower scoring than Ohio State wants it to be. And, I mean, they certainly have the offense equipped to do that uh, if they're going to lean on Jonathan Taylor. And, I, I, again, I, I'm very unimpressed by Ohio State's uh, pass protection. And I think if Wisconsin's defense is able to get after them in the pass rush, that's going to put Ohio State in a lot of unfavorable situations for trying to convert third and long and trying to con- just convert in general on passing downs. And if they're finding themselves – kind of like they were early on in the Michigan State game where Michigan State was pinning their ears back, sending pressure after fields, not making them comfortable, and uh, you know, giving their defense an opportunity to make plays and forcing Ohio State to punt the ball back to their offense, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Wisconsin definitely is better equipped on the offensive side of the ball than Michigan State is. Uh, we saw that 
two weekends ago when the two teams played each other. And uh, we saw it when Michigan State played Ohio State and fumbled the ball on the first two possessions. And, uh, yeah, so I think Wisconsin definitely has an opportunity to punish Ohio State more for the mistakes yep. that they'll make in this game. Um, but I still – I think that you need – if this de- this defense is talented enough that if you're too one dimensional yeah, of a team fun. like Wisconsin has been at times this year, you're not going to have fun. So if I, I I don't think that Ohio State necessarily respected Northwestern's ability to run the ball or really run any <laughs> offense, so we didn't see a lot of stacked <laughs> fronts or anything. I mean, they didn't see any stacked fronts or anything like that in that game. So I think that you know you're you've got a much more predictable Wisconsin attack. Um, you're going to be able. You're. I. I would be shocked if we, especially given Ohio State runs a four three, we ever see less than seven guys in the box on any of these uh, downs against Wisconsin's offense. I, I would be absolutely yeah. floored. Um, but yeah, I will say that. Like, I think that the team, the way that you beat Ohio State, I think this year is different than how you beat them in the last couple of years, right? Which is you score like fifty five points and you can win that way like Iowa did and like Purdue did, to me, this team, like if, if there is a weakness, it has to be to play like Wisconsin plays and just execute the crap out of your game plan. And just chew up yards four and a half at a time all the way down the field. I think that's like the only way that you can beat them. But still, I would be more than shocked if Wisconsin was able to really even make this competitive. And you said that Ohio State is has probably the Big Ten's best offense and they're going up against the Big Ten's best defense. Uh, unless Ohio State's playing an inter-team scrimmage, that's not happening. I mean, they've got the two best units on the field. <laughs> and they might have the best special teams. You're so too. kind. Like, Ohio State is a much better football team than Wisconsin. If they play 100 times, Ohio State's winning like 80. But, you know, it's a question of if we're going to get one of the 20 in this game. And if it is, it's going to be just Wisconsin not making a single damn mistake, which they could do. I mean, that's kind of how they want to play. But, you know, especially now that Wisconsin lost to Illinois, I think the kind of general consensus is that this probably won't be pretty competitive. But I think it was that way even beforehand. I mean, Ohio State's the best team out there. Just handle business and you'll be just fine. Yeah, it's. It, I think it does come down to something as simple as the turnover battle, and I mean, as we saw in Wisconsin's game yeah. against Illinois last weekend, I mean, that's pretty much the narrative for every game is if you win the turnover battle, you win. But particularly in a game where you have two teams coming in where their reputation has been taking care of the football, Ohio State very limited in their turnovers this year. Fields has been awesome, not throwing picks. Um, you know his taken some unnecessary sacks, but hasn't really put the ball in jeopardy much for the other team to be able to score a lot of points uh, off turnovers. Wisconsin, prior to that Illinois game, was you know sterling in terms of their ability to execute and not make mistakes and not give their opponents chances to win. And you know the one game they didn't do that, they ended up losing. And I think that you know they they certainly had the opportunities to make mistakes against Michigan State. They didn't do it. Um, Michigan State's defense was probably on the field way too often for them to be in a position to um, punish them for that. But a lot of these games too. I mean, you've seen their defense has had at least one or two huge moments where they just 
they get some kind of enormous turnover defensive touchdown that just completely swings the momentum of the game in their favor and puts it away for good. They never got that against Illinois, even though they forced a fumble against Illinois in their own end zone coming out, or not in their own end zone, in their own red zone uh, coming out of the half. I don't see Wisconsin having a moment like that against Ohio State unless it's some kind of freak strip sack, which could very well happen with how the pass protection is. Yeah, unless Justin Fields wakes up and is a different human being. Right. It's so just not I, I, would ex- I don't think this is going to be a blowout, but I do expect Ohio State to handle business. And I, I do expect Wisconsin to not look like – it's going to be interesting to see them have to throw themselves back into the game and what that looks like. Cause we haven't seen that from them yet this year, just because they've been so unbelievably dominant against almost every opponent. And mm-hmm. crazy thing is, you know, Illinois kicked that field goal as time was expiring. Technically Wisconsin has not trailed for a single moment in a game this year, <laughs> even though they lost. So it's going to be interesting to see what not they wrong. have to do the first time this year they have to play from behind. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be fascinating. Okay. Uh, we've gone over the keys to victory, I guess a little bit. So let's get to our final predictions and then we can wrap it up here. I'm, I'm confident in Ohio state victory. Um, I'm going to say 24 to 13. And I know that's a bit of a risky score because that assumes, that assumes Wisconsin's going to kick two field goals and their field goal kicker has struggled of late. But I think that I, I do like Ohio state's red zone defense. And I think that, uh, you know, even if Wisconsin's able to push themselves into, um, and late enemy territory, Ohio State's going to be in a position where once the field shrinks, they can firmly commit to stopping Taylor, and they'll be able to get some nice, solid red zone stops. Um, I, I still like Wisconsin's defense. I just like Ohio State's offense more. Um, but I expect Ohio State to take the lead early and not relinquish it. But what do you think, Ben? Give State 31-17, but the 17 comes late for Wisconsin. Like, it'll be 31-10 at the start yeah. of the fourth quarter, and Wisconsin will score like a garbage touchdown to cover. Jack Cohn's going to put up some garbage time yeah, fantasy points. you know, pad Jonathan Taylor's Doge Walker <laughs> stats and give him some run late. Yeah, I think that's probably a more fair interpretation. Yeah, once, uh, once this one goes down, I mean, they'll still be in contention for the Big Ten title. But, yeah, at this point, I think that they're firmly playing for uh, – I think Jonathan Taylor is definitely what they have most to hang their hat on at this point. But I, again, I expect Ohio state to win this, but it's so hard to be the same team twice in college football. And, you know, you just said it, you think Ohio state wins about 80 out of a hundred matchups against this. I mean, if you're only, if you're only looking at winning 80% of the time that you play the same team and you have to play them twice, I mean, that, that makes me very uncomfortable, particularly against a team that prides himself on ball control. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be really easy for them to look at the mistakes they make in this game, get them cleaned up and then meet them back in Indianapolis and say, okay, we're, we're ready this time to not let fields, uh, you know, put this game away from us too early and, you know, put ourselves in a better position to win. So it'll, it'll be interesting. It helps a lot when you're the best team in the country. I'm looking forward to it. It's a lot easier to beat any team twice when you're as good as I It sure does, but it's never an easy task for anybody. Um, Actually, I think 
I'm not sure if they were ranked one, but I know the last year my dad was at Ohio State. He graduated in 78 or 79, I believe. They played UCLA twice, and UCLA was not great by any stretch. And I'm I'm not sure if Ohio State was one back then, but they were they were they I think they still had Archie. No, they didn't have Archie Griffin, but they're a very good team. And they played UCLA twice, and UCLA beat them the second time. And it just Knowing that in the back of my head just kind of made me think, okay, when when you have to play the same team twice in college football, it's exponentially more difficult than, you know, in a lot of other sports. All right. Well, we're about at the end here. Uh, We kind of already pre we or at least mentioned the other Big Ten games this weekend, of which there are not too many great ones. So uh, be sure to turn in tune in for that. Wisconsin Ohio State game. It's uh, at noon on Fox. Check out that pre that coveted pregame show if you want as well. Big nude kickoff. We're ready for it. Uh, but if you listen to the end, we want to thank you very much again for uh, being a faithful fan of Burn Down the Big Ten. And uh, once again, signing off for Week Eight. I'm George Eisner, and uh, for Ben Gorin, thank you so much. And we'll be back next week with what's going to be probably the worst slate of Big Ten games the whole season. So take care and. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you soon.